This is the Criterion Podcast. Today we have the honor of speaking with two guests, Pastor Beverly, uh, who is the pastor of children and families in the La Sierra University Church. And we get to speak with Sandra Fairman, who is the spiritual VP here at La Sierra University for Salsu. We get the interesting perspectives on many topics within Adventism, particularly the women's ordination talk. With that being said, I hope that this will be helpful for you guys in answering any questions that you may have regarding women's ordination. Try to listen insightfully because the thoughts that Sandra and Pastor Beverly offer are packed full with valuable information that can really make you think. So with that being said, please enjoy this chat with Pastor Beverly and Sandra Fearman ears that later will hear this conversation. Uh, may we be good news um, today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just start with a simple question of, I, I know I told you guys what I was going to ask before this, but I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I was just going to ask you, what is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week in regards to religion or theology? I'm actually reading um, the book called Pastrix by Nadia Boltz-Weber. Mm-hmm. It's funny that I'm in this conversation now. Um, this is my first book from this author. I've heard so much about her th- through other friends. I have read um, her other books. And um, she's pretty graphic with her words. So for me, mm-hmm. reading, I, in a sense, um, her story and her journey with um, not only religion, but her journey with God, um, it's truly an eye-opener um, in regarding me and how I am journeying in ministry. And mm-hmm. um, um, it's, made me, it's made me realize that I'm not as uh, liberal as I thought I was mm-hmm. with this author. So that's, that's something that I'm wrestling with as I'm reading this book. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. I'm the Bible, Um, and we are currently, you know, finishing up a sermon series that I invite anybody to check out because we've had some pretty intense conversations Mm -hmm. about things that matter in our world to people. It's called um, "In the Skin." You know, um, we're in the skin, and then, you know, we're sexual beings. This week, we're talking about contempt. Um, and so, uh, in particular, we've been looking at uh, moving forward just before mm-hmm. we get to, you know, the Easter, the last week of mm-hmm. Jesus's life, and then, you know, the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and so, we are, as we're prepping for that, you know, we have been reading through the Gospels, Matthew, mm-hmm. Mark, Luke, and John, and reading, you know, that last piece, the last supper with uh, the disciples and Jesus. How do you feel like one should take action when they feel like they're being called by the word of God? Um, I think I, I think oftentimes we rush too much mm-hmm. into moving without actually listening to what the spirit is trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. I think it's be patient um, right. and not to assume that um, this isn't like a race, like the yeah. work of Jesus is not a race. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we work in haste, we miss the opportunities to, to be in the details. Yeah. Sandra, do you have any, um, any stories or any any time that is, or like a time uh, in the past that you've experienced like a sense of needing to be patient and not jumping right into it? 
Um, I would definitely go back to where I felt the calling into ministry. Mm. Um, it wasn't easy accepting it at first. Um, there was a lot of impatience. There was a lot of patience uh, from my part, trying to see where the Spirit was guiding me. Um, in that moment, I I knew this was something I had to take seriously and not as a joke. Um, especially the situations with our church mm. um, at that time. Um, so, just waiting, praying, and just realizing that I am a servant of God, and and I am patiently waiting for the next move to take. Yeah. I, I came in as a music psychology major. I was planning to be a music therapist with uh, performing mm. and teaching music on the side. Uh, junior year comes in, I'm starting to question my purpose, starting to question my, my mission and my career goals at the very end. And all of a sudden, the first quarter of my junior year, a week of studying for another test for another class, and I saw myself looking at the curriculum from the Divinity School for Religious Studies or pre-seminary, yeah. and um, a lot of waiting, a lot of crying, a lot of just praying and seeing if this was even God calling mm. to me. I, mm. I didn't know what I was feeling at the time. So at the beginning of it, you know, that's so true. As I'm listening to you, I'm going, you know what? Being a follower of Jesus is really inconvenient. Mm. And it's really disruptive. It is. I felt <laughs> like, that at that moment, yeah. God disrupted my life. Mm. But yeah. looking now, my life has completely changed for yeah. the yeah. ultimate better. Yeah. Pastor Bev- Beverly, do you mind sharing a, the, the feelings that you felt when you got called into ministry and maybe this destructive uh, situation <laughs> Just the inconvenience. Yeah. So it's interesting because I don't know if, um, and I wrote this when I actually interviewed as a student um, in the divinity school as well. Um, I don't know that I have one one call to ministry. I think my life and, and the way that it's unfolded, I don't think that I had like this aha moment. Um, I think as a kid and the way that I was raised, um, this is who you are. Um, there's there's not a thing that one moment that like you get a call and all of a sudden, like now you get to be a participant in the body of Christ. It's always been, this is who we are. You're alive and you breathe. This is your work mm. to, to do the work of God. What transitioned was that I found myself being consumed and wanting to know more. Mm. I remember sitting in chapel one day and hearing a speaker and then going, what? What, was, what What? did they say about God? And then I just remember looking around and everybody going, yeah. And then I just remember like looking down and thinking to myself, like, I don't know, I don't know if I believe that. Do you have any, any advice or experiences that kind of gave you motivation to push on? Maybe Sandra, since you're still going through the yeah. education, do you have... I, I feel, I know there's still issues That's, in the church yeah. regarding women in ministry, but I feel like... I have been blessed, I guess, to be on the other side where it's like we're almost there, like we're getting close to, mm-hmm. to I guess, the full affirmation. And just looking back at all the the female leaders that have had actually, you know, had had to face like mm-hmm. the rejection of like not even getting the chance to interview yeah. or not even getting the chance to be on a pulpit. Can you um, whatsoever? Uh, can you talk about or maybe? Um, both of you, can you talk about a female leader, a specific female leader, maybe for those that don't really know too much about the history? 
I, w- I would mention uh, Pastor Chris Oberg. Uh, she was the first female pastor I, I saw ever in my life. Um, I come from a conservative Hispanic background, and I had never even heard of the notion of like all women in ministry. Mm. Uh, my church was also against um, having female elders. It was just like a no for anything. Uh, the second a uh, female would speak on a pulpit, they would like the men or the elders uh, would start writing notes down mm. just to make sure they were on point or on in sync with uh, with um, scripture. Pastor Beverly, do you have any? Uh, yeah, you know, actually my, my church is pretty similar. Uh, Chris, who I'm now colleagues with, which yeah. is bananas because I didn't see that one coming seven years ago. Um, she was one of the first pastors that I had ever met too, um, which at that point was like, huh. So I guess okay, so this is a thing, like it could be a thing. Um, And I think that other people who were quite influential were like Kendra Holoviak, who has had an incredible history and work in the church. And she's a professor in the Divinity School of New Testament. And I think, you know, someone like her, who is just like, you can't be around Kendra and not fall in love with scripture because she is so in love with scripture. It is so infectious it's brilliant she um, just teaches you like just don't, don't look at the text plainly or literally there's right. always you know her her saying is look behind within and in front of yeah. the text mm-hmm. there's so yeah. much there's so much there's so many perspectives and there's so many voices to look at within scripture yeah that's the beauty of it the similar sense of what this pastor done in your life with the inspiration do you have any advice that you would maybe give to Sandra <laughs> In the same way, yeah, facing I think, this problem. I think one of the most important things is um, listen to the way that the Spirit is moving in you. Because it would be interesting to get both of your perspectives. And I'll start with asking Sandra, if you could snap your fingers and eliminate a problem in Seventh-day Adventism, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> um... I would say just um, if I could snap my fingers, I would really like for people to be awake of their surroundings. Um, we're so, I guess as Adventists, we're so, always so caught up with what um, doctrine is saying, with what um, our beliefs are saying, but we don't uh, focus on the people and how they are doing. Um, I, I think that's one thing where it's like we need to refocus on not only on the doctrines, but on the purpose and why the church is here. Why do you um, think people have put so much focus on the doctrines? I think for distinction, to say that, you know, we're here, we have it, um, when in fact we're still on the journey um, with, with everybody else. To piggyback on what you were saying, if, if I could have a wish for the denomination, it's um, to, to really have a different confidence in the spirit and God's work that... Um, that it's okay to grow. Mm. And that growth doesn't mean just baptizing people. Growth means um, the, the progression of scripture, following the progression of scripture. I mean, what would the first century Christians have done if they stayed where they were at just yeah. after Jesus had died? We wouldn't exist. Yeah. But the Christian church has actually gone through so many different layers. And I think that's important to remember as Adventist, um, friends of Jesus, you come from a lot of other denominations who <laughs> before you grew and then grew and then grew. Um, and so I think that's important to remember who your history is and to read it, not just as these facts on paper, but to remember that these were real lives and these were real people. Mm. What's one thing about women's ordination that people don't understand? Um, I would say that uh, for the people that I, I've heard comments where it's like, 
does ordination really matter? I mean, at the same time, it, I feel like to an extent it doesn't, but when it comes to like us as people, us as an organization, it's like if we're not, if women aren't given like the full recognition from the church, then it's just, um, I, for me, it seems really unfair. Um, but at the same time, for me, it's like if we just like I, as I read the the, the article, uh, what Pastor Chris said was uh, powerful. Where where it's like, well, we don't really need ordination. We're all here to serve the God. We're all here to spread the gospel. We're all here um, to to do ministry in some way or form. Um, some of us are called to do uh, ministry, whether it's male or female. Some of us are called to do other things, whether it's in um, health or education, whatever it is, but we're all called to do yeah. something in the name and the sake of the gospel. So what, what is the aspect that holds people back in believing that, well, I'm not too sure if this is the actual point, but believing that a woman can't do that ministry. Would it be tradition, culture? background baggage? Yeah, I think that informs a lot of it. I don't think that there's just one answer. Yeah, it's not like, well, you're too short or you have these parts. It's not It's not as simple. I think it's a very complex issue. And I, and like I said, it's it's a lot of history. And some of the other quotes that I didn't put in here, both you know from uh, Dr. Holoviak, Dr. Marlene Ferreras, or right. Chris. Speaking you know, about your paper, right? Yeah, yeah. So without being ordained, do you feel comfortable in with... Do you feel comfortable with your calling? Yes, I did not like. I've heard, um, uh, especially last year, we're speaking to a bunch of my friends who are also female in, in ministry, and like I heard one of them said, like I just want to get ordained already, and it's like well, that's mm. not the whole point. Like you're if you're here accepting the calling, if you're here to do ministry, like that's not mm. the point. I feel like uh, um, the pastors that have been ordained, like I, I don't think that was their main goal when they entered the field. I feel for me, if I never get ordained, I'm still going to be doing God's work because that's what I'm called to do. Mm. Yeah. Well, I was just ordained um, 2016 in June, right. which is super great, fantastic. There's something really sacred about this moment when the entire community gathers and says, um, you know, you are good and we are glad that you are good here. And we're glad that you are listening to the spirit in your life. But like Sandra's saying, I also worked for six and a half years before I was ordained. And, um, and I was a pastor at the university church before then, and I wasn't ordained and still the work was important and it was good. I don't, I don't need an ordination certificate to tell me that I can attend to you as a human. That's my responsibility as a human to another yeah. human, right? Um, but I do think that, you know, one of the fascinating things that I learned even as I was writing this article is Ellen White. Um, she has a kind of a similar opinion, Sandra, as you do. And she was like, I don't need this. I don't need this piece of paper to do the work. She was so busy. She she was so focused. And she was like, I just need to do the work of God. Like it's it was so ingrained in the fabric of who she was that she was like, Ugh, this is actually like wasting my time. But the church did need to because of mm -hmm. like societal norms. We're right. gonna give you an ordination certificate. So she didn't actually have a ceremony, like a laying of hands, which is the ceremony of ordination for us now, but they needed to give her a certificate so that she could travel around the world and be legitimate. Charles, who are you? <laughs> Super not, yeah, I am Charles. Tell the people who Super, you are. I am uh, editor-in-chief of the Criterion here. Yeah, I, um, cool. I'm on the podcast, filling in. All right, just here to chat. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great conversation. Yeah, <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and maybe for those of um, for those 
who are listening that don't really understand why is women woman's ordination even a big topic in our religion in Seventh-day Adventism, do you think you could break it down a little? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, first of all, I think it's helpful to know um, some like historical context within Adventism as a whole, which is a big chunk of what the article I wrote is about um, to kind of understand, you know, it, nothing just happens. It's never an isolated event. It's something that grows on top of something else. And then a part of that, I think, is also having some biblical history to what ordination is. Um, so I, I think that in terms of ordination as a whole and what we know that it is now is an identifying of a community and it's an, a physical laying on of hands on a person and, um, you know, blessing them and setting them aside. So the word, you know, ordination is to be set aside. And then the process of it is a laying of hands of the community, identifying you as like a, like a person set aside to do the work of God, right? Um, and, and so we call that pastors, right? Like we yeah. call that pastoring <laughs> now. And just so our big um, kind of uh, issue right now within the church is who gets the official laying on of hands? Like who gets to be the people who are doing this work? And um, historically with the church, it never, it wasn't really a problem. It really wasn't a conversation um, until um, a little bit later, um, when the denomination was growing and men at for a long time in our history were the working people of society and women were generally homemakers even in scripture it is not like you couldn't even survive as a woman if you didn't have a man whether it was your father or a husband to for you to take their name you couldn't really function in society and so it's just kind of been this like societal concept that we live in and there's one situation where a woman this is her case she's a pastor and then her husband decides to also join in the work of men ministry to kind of help the cause, right? Um, and they realize that he's less, maybe less qualified, but they need to pay him more than, more than her, her because he's a man and it's a really tough moment. And her husband then, you know, he's one of the first people that says, well, I'm not, then I can't do the work that you're asking me to do because she's actually more qualified hmm. than yeah. I am. And see, that raises the question to me because I was in San Antonio when mm -hmm. they voted on it oh, okay. and- sat there and listened to all these men and leaders in the church go up there and express some sort of views and opinions that were shockingly like out there. Like I yeah. just, it just didn't seem like where I felt like we were as a whole. And it's kind of, it was like discouraging to me, even as a man, like how can I be a part of a faith community that isn't, um, you know, that isn't aligned with what I believe in. Yeah. in Because, you know, these social issues are still part of who we are. So what can we do? You know, me and Aaron are both men, you know? Yeah. Okay. What can what? we do as men, you know, to be the sort of ally like that woman's husband was? Yeah, so I think in, I mean, in some ways, what's really helpful is it's really cool that you were present for that, you know, and not to just... Um, take things at face value, but to participate more in the work and life of the church. I think that's really important. I think for all people, even even women who aren't necessarily trying to be ministers, but to be more involved in the church. Oftentimes people get discouraged and they go, well, I don't want to be a part of this and I'm going to leave. Well, change doesn't happen when you're on the outside. Change happens on the inside. You have to stay, unpack your bags and stay, do something here, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. I also think that it's helpful to to do more of this, like digging in deep and and you pick up the books and you read what has happened in the Adventist church um, because everybody is only gonna tell you what's convenient for them to tell you. You mentioned it earlier about 
us getting involved in the church. How can one get involved in the church and really be active inside? Yeah, I think that, well, every church, like local church community is really different. I work at the university church here on the corner and um, you can do everything and anything. Um, I think, you know, walk in and go, what do you need? <laughs> the answer is we always need everything. We're a, we are a nonprofit, Friends of Jesus, okay? <laughs> so we are... A hundred percent dependent on um, on volunteers, mm. and you guys are the church. You know, so everything from you know greeting people at the front. Um, you know, when people are walking in, and your job is to say hi, welcome to church. That's one. Like, do that. You know, um, we have a cafe, so you could get involved in like all of these ministries. You know, um, sometimes it's just important to I say, what are you good at? Like, what do you like to do? Um, and be real with yourself, mm. and then try those things on for size. What, what's something positive that you feel about Ad, Ad, Adventism today? Adventism, I think that, um, I love the Adventist church. I think there's so many good things happening with the Adventist church. Um, I just think that we're such a welcoming community and we've we've gone through so much history in life that we've really learned to readjust our lens to understand we're not a people of works, but we're a people that are grace oriented, which means we're gonna lean into loving people well and not having a checklist at the door for who you are. Although that might seem hard in different places, <laughs> but I think that in general, I think that the, that the Adventist church is so loving. And the reason mm -hmm. for that is because we have so many ways that we're participating in the world. Like we, um, we've just been going through the sermon series and there's so many statements that the church has made on our different values as people. Like we value healthcare, you know, like we have so many different hospitals all over the world, all over the US, uh, because we care about people's health. It matters to us that we mm -hmm. are like mm -hmm. valuing our bodies as holy temples, right? So we talk about health, we talk about being whole beings. Um, that's really important. I think we, you know, our education is important to us. We're here at Lostra University. This is unapologetically Adventist, right? And we're a different expression of Adventism, which we're not apologizing for. Yeah. Um, but so, but we're doing life and, and it matters to us that we know that as you're doing the work and walking alongside growing in God, that you also do education well. And it matters for us, for all people to have access to education. And so I think that also matters. Yeah, there's so many ways for us to practice our faith. To be involved in, and just, just all over the place, I think, you know, um, one of the things that I tell people, if you're looking for bad news, you're going to find it. Mm. But if you're looking for good news, you'll find it. Uh, what advice would you give to a smart, driven woman who is going into ministry? Um, what advice should they ignore? Um, okay, let's go with maybe the one that you should ignore is a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> ignore that people say that you're not good enough. Your calling did not come from the humans around you. Um, it came from something wholly other and greater and bigger than all of us. Um, and, you know, um, ignore, ignore the feeling that you need to compete against each other. Uh, the work of God is not something to compete for. Um, it's, it belongs to everybody. It's everybody's duty. And some of us get to do it um, in, in a different way and expression, right? Like my work as a pastor is I do this full time versus, you know, other people in different parts of the world that, you know, are 
finance people during the day. And then <laughs> on the weekends, they do like pastoral work on the side and that's their calling and for them to do. But some of us get to do it in this way and others of us get it to do it in a different capacity. But I think it's important to know um, there's, there should not be a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a woman, be strong with other women. Do not bash on other women. Uh, some of the toxicity that sometimes happened, interestingly enough, does not come from men but it comes mm. from women on women. And that's terrible. I see, yeah. uh, this is a sisterhood, kids, and we yeah. need to be strong together. Do you see a future for women ordination? Women's ordination, excuse me. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, my hope is like the quote that I quoted of Pastor Chris. I hope it just all goes away. Mm-hmm. I hope we all just mm-hmm. get over it and, um, and realize that this is the priesthood of all believers. Like it's our responsibility, our responsibility for all people to attend to each other. Um, and that, and that pastors and the work of pastoring can just be other people who are doing the work of God in this particular way, right? Um, but, you know, I, I do have hope because I see all of the different ways that women in in our society and just life in general have been able to to grow and be a part of, of different things, you know? Um, uh, in all categories, I mean, doctors, you know, for a long time it was, well, you can be a nurse. You know, you yeah. can be a school teacher. Um, in some ways, it's giving room for men even to grow in different areas that they didn't know. Like, it wasn't as acceptable for men to be nurses or for men to be, you know, teachers and stuff like that, of like, you know, children's stuff like that. So I think that it's important to, to think about. So I think, yes, the answer, long story long, sorry, is that um, I, I do think there's hope for women in the church. Whatever happens with this topic of ordination, I don't think it's gonna stop women from doing the work of God because the work of God needs to be done regardless of where you're at. I know when I was um, out there and I was hearing so many people bringing up points about, um, you know, LGBTQ persons. Mm -hmm. And like, I wasn't really seeing like, how does that relate to this conversation of women? But then I see that if we're talking about all gender, you know, that is an all inclusive sort of category. Yeah, and again, it comes from fear. Again, when the LGBTQ plus like conversation kind of got folded in. Yeah. it's, it was, again, hear it from a place of, okay, how much change are we really going to make? Um, and again, like e- even talking about LGBTQ plus conversation societally is, is still a growing topic. Like we're still trying to figure out what kind of bathrooms we have in facilities, right? Like yeah. this is a very real and alive conversation. And so you can imagine for a religious denomination that is barely getting over the curve of trying to understand women in their place to add another layer of understanding even gender, the spectrum of gender and how it unfolds and sexuality as it unfolds is really an extra layer of complication, right? Another question that that raised for me and women and looking into the Bible and practicing scripture, um, a few weeks ago when the guest speaker at Paradox was talking and she was talking about the book of Paul, which seems to be a reoccurring (laughs) hurdle for women in ministry. And she said, you know, I was studying Paul. I broke up with Paul in college, <laughs> and now I talk to him every now and then when I yeah. need to. So, what advice do you have for these young women who are practicing and reading scripture, and then they're getting to the book of Paul, or they're about to hop into Paul's writings, <laughs> yeah. like, and because it seems to be a discouraging thing for women to, you know, read that stuff. So, um, are you talking about when he's? Saying like, yeah, women like be silent. Women okay. Be silent. <laughs> um, first of all, stop trying to date Paul. <laughs> he was unavailable to begin with. Uh, but Paul is a product of his society, also, 
and he's writing, uh, you know, I think what's important, and, and I know she talks about it because I think it was important for this speaker to be talking about Paul because it's a lot of ways that it gets interpreted as women be silent in this thing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But it was, socially then it was a norm. And so he was attending to, you know, what was normal. And um, and I also think it often gets taken out of context, which is why I think she goes back and says, you know, I, I, I go back and I see Paul every once in a while. <laughs> um, but scripture is a hodgepodge. It's just, it's a mess. There's a ton of stuff that is going to be disturbing to us yeah. because it's not a perfect book and it's not meant to be that. It is telling you the story of humanity, but the story in wholeness is about God, which is why we keep going back because we're drawn to the creator that created us. But it is a very human experience of people and their lives going through the thick of it and trying to figure it out, you know? Um, so I think that if, if you're a person who is trying to do the work of God and you're just trying to find all of like your spick and span answers from scripture, you might want to rethink if this is a profession for you because you're not going to find it. For both men and women, there's a lot to wrestle with. Um, I've always told people, it is impossible for you to be in the spirit of, you know, in the presence of Jesus, even the people who, you know, the disciples who walked with Jesus. It was impossible for you to be amongst Jesus and not walk away scratching your head, whether it was an aha moment or it was something that deeply disturbed you, but you were going to be changed because this, you are in the presence of the Holy One. Like how could you walk away not changed, right? And so I think that your interaction and your experience with scripture is gonna be the same if you let it, you know? But if you're only going to scripture to find this one answer that you want it, it doesn't work that way. It's we, we read scripture and we let it tell us something, not we read scripture and we tell it what to say, right? I think that's amazing. Yeah. And just to close, one, yeah. one last question. Uh, what's one thing you wish you knew while you were a college student and why? Um, I think that, um, man, I, so many things, um, get sleep. (laughs) Friends of Jesus struggle is real when you are not a student and the real world takes you under its wing. It is going to grow you. It's going to stretch you. Um, and just, um, I think that, you know, earlier on, I I don't know, I feel like I was so blessed to be on this campus. You know, I did my undergrad here, my undergrad, and I also did my master's here. And it has been a place that has just forever embraced me and also really stretched me and taught me about a lot. Um, And in some ways, I think it's just been, you don't, you know, question always what you think you know, you probably don't know. Um, don't walk out in the world like you got this and you know all of the things. And I think that sometimes you kind of get this like thing about you when you graduate, where you're just like, I'm ready. And I just remember just having these humbling moments during my first um, weeks and months of work going, oh, like this is rough. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and, and, and I think as a college student, you just think that you're going to go out and you're going to change the world. But I think that it's important to remember that um, you, are, you are joining people in a process and you're not the boss of people and um, that you're always going to be a student just because you graduate and you get a degree doesn't mean that you stop learning. Um, and at one point, I think for me as a student, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm done. I'm done studying. I'm done with tests. I'm not done studying. There's never a time that I'm not learning. There's never not a time that, whether it's coming from scripture or whether it's coming from somebody's life that I'm learning, there's always a moment to like sit down, to pause, to breathe and to let the spirit work. Um, and you're gonna learn something and get ready because it's, it's coming. Like. 
Hey guys, thank you for checking out this episode of the Criterion Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained a lot of value from it. Now, please go out and share this. If you really found value from it, um, send it to a classmate or two (laughs) and uh, go over to Instagram and follow us at Criterion now.